0: Good afternoon. Oh, you see, I got in there before you did today, Javi. Javi threw me for a loop on Tuesday. He came in and took my intro away from me, pulled the rug. I like fell down a flight of stairs. I was baffled. It was amazing, though. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Benzinga's Cannabis Insider. Thank you for tuning in. We have two phenomenal guests today that we will get to in a few minutes. We're going to start with the CMO of weed maps. And we're going to jump over to a really, really friggin' cool brand in the cannabis space newer, uh, but a lot of expertise from their leadership in gelato. So tons to dive into today. Stick around with us going to be a great show. Let's get started. Javi, 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 Javi. What's up, man? How are you, my Argentinian action figure best friend, brother? What up? Doing great, doing great.
1: What about you, Mr. Elliot Lane? Baby?
0: You know, I'm good, dude. I'm good. It's been a busy, busy May. And it's weird because like most of the time, like we finished our event in Miami in April. You had 420. Then you have Q1 earnings. Right? It doesn't stop. You know, it doesn't stop until you hit June 1 normally. And that's mm-hmm. when everybody goes on vacation.
1: Calling May Day every day of May,
0: every day of May. Uh, Yeah, man, it's it's been good though. What about you? How's it looking over there at the news desk land?
1: Very interesting news out of Chile, Argentina's neighbor. Uh, They passed a law, a long-awaited law called the Ley Antinarco or Anti-Narcotics Law. Uh, They addressed several topics around drug trafficking, uh, trying to dismantle the infrastructure of drug trafficking trying to curb the rising crime. One of the very, very good news uh, uh, you know, uh, portions coming out of this law is the amendment of the current law, 20,000, uh, uh, that now, now now, they're allowing the cultivation of cannabis for uh, medical uses as long as people can present a medical prescription. A big step for Chile in the right direction. Props to your friends down there.
0: Um, it a very heavy international news day. I feel like all the public companies are taking a break. They put their Q1 earnings out. They either got lauded or took their beatings. <laughs> and I feel, I feel like,
1: like we have news from Italy, from the international yeah. waters. Which one do you want first?
0: Uh, Italy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling Italian right now.
1: Give me a little Italy news. Okay. Uh, you know, the news from Italia is that that Tilray Brands, T-L-R-Y on the NASDAQ, uh, is bringing its products uh, to Italy. They received authorizations from Italy's Ministry of Health to distribute the uh, three new medical compounds uh, in partnership with Pharma Idea, uh, a patron group company. Uh, the idea is to market and educate over 12,000 pharmacies across Italy on the uh, benefits of medical cannabis uh, and medical uh, cannabis patient care. That's a lot
0: of pharmacies. 12,000 yep. plus That's You know, one thing I'm not overly educated on, Javi, and maybe you can give Mm -hmm. me a little context. What is – why is Italy not as highly thought of in the European cannabis market as Germany?
1: Well, for starters, uh, the market is more limited. There's fewer people, and it seems fewer interests. Plus, they are not really discussing adult use, right? You do have a proliferation of hemp and CBD stores – in uh in italy but but really i think it's you know the the sheer market potential of germany keep in mind that germany is the largest um the largest uh, economy in all of europe right it's the main supporter of the european union right it's 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 the us of europe right in the sense that it dictates many other trends that then become public policy across the continent Um, also to note is that when companies say they they get the potential to twelve thousand pharmacies, right? We see that a lot. Oh, we close this deal with this pharma company and we get access to ten thousand pharmacies. Uh, in reality, it's not like products instantly reach all these pharmacies, right? Or, or that there is uh, intent from buyers, right? It's it's the potential, right? When when these deals are reported, they say you know you know that they report the best case scenario, and it's like okay, this group. Has access to 12,000 pharmacies. This mm-hmm. means that theoretically, Tilray could be in 12,000 pharmacies. I don't think it will be in 12,000 pharmacies at once. I might be. Good
0: note. Very good surprised. note. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. What's up, Chris Malloy? Thanks for tuning in. Trong, what is up from Thailand? Thank you for tuning in. Always nice to see cannabis insider listeners from around the world. Javier, let's just do a couple more here, man. Uh, I will say, you know, something to note, I think, from earlier in the week that we didn't really talk about was Cresco and Columbia Care. I don't know if you saw a Green Market Reports note this morning. Uh, on the deal, really just, you know, kind of translating what Charlie Bactel said, but they're very focused on, you know, helping improve the debt leverage situation between what would be the combined entity. So, you know, it seems to be that there's still a lot of doubt that this merger is going to happen. Um, You know, Javi, I don't know if you're hearing anything else, man, but it seems they are still pushing forward. Still, a deadline is the end of June. Yeah. We could still see one of the larger acquisitions to happen in the space—not mm-hmm. the largest, but one of the larger ones. Um, you know, but there's there's still some concern over uh, this making sense.
1: Yeah, there there's definitely some pushback from regulators and then like internally. Right, the company uh, is still looking to divest certain assets to to make sure that they have the money to acquire um, uh, Columbia Care. It's, it's important to notice as well that Cresco said it does have other options should this specific
0: deal fall through. Um, hmm. you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, All see right.
2: about
0: we'll see. All right, one more. Let's do a quick rapid fire, man, and then we're going to get to our guests.
1: Yep. Um, Carnival Cruise Line, which is part of Carnival Corp, is taking um, steps to reduce cannabis consumption on their cruises. Now they oh. have sniffing dogs. Boo. Um, Agrify did not file its fourth quarter results on time. That is AGFI on the NASDAQ. Now it's at risk of being delisted from the NASDAQ. Agrify said that they delayed the report due to accounting errors in three previously issued reports. That is three, mm-hmm. <laughs> as in one, yeah. two, three.
0: It's just it's a symptom of, of the overall markets. And I, you know, I. <laughs> It sucks. Agrify. <laughs> we interviewed Raymond um, the day before. They went from $10 to $30 per share. Wow. And now they're at $0.19 cents per share. Damn. Isn't that crazy? Well, that's
1: another reason why they could be delisted from NASDAQ, right? I think that the, the, the threshold to trade on the NASDAQ is a $1
0: threshold. Remember the sundial? deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. SunDial mm-hmm. Neptune I mean list goes on. It's unfortunate, you know, that 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 is happening, but at the same time like Let it's me ask you
1: something do, do you do you think this is a sign or an indicator that that most cannabis companies were a little bit hasty in trying to list on the Nasdaq. Like we we know that many went public way too early at very low value. I don't think
0: sure. they had a choice though at the end of the day. I think a lot I of mean, their yeah, investors made them go cheap. public to get access to that liquidity.
1: Oh yeah, but but companies could easily trade on the OTC, right? Where, where the requirements are lower and the companies are smaller, right? In the NASDAQ, yeah. you have certain requirements, and it's much more expensive to list, actually.
0: You know Yeah. I mean, hasty, yeah. I think it's more of an, I think, you, you can look, it's hard to tell, though. You look at the environment and the capital markets, then you, you really couldn't guess legislatively that seven times safe it would never reach the Senate. Right and the eighth, you know who knows, but like even now people are still shorting cannabis stocks after their earnings, like nobody's business. So I, I mean, I don't blame them for going to the Nasdaq. No, no
3: but not at all.
1: Then definitely, yeah. Agrify was was it a good size to listen in the Nasdaq? Don't get me wrong, Weed Maps was it a good size to listen in the Nasdaq? Right, like anything over
0: a hundred million. Weed Maps is perfect in every way.
1: Let's get to it then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 leave it there. Let's bring to her over
1: bury my own grave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> let's do it. Let's bring over the CMO random McMen of Weed Maps, Nasdaq listed M A P S. randa what's up how are you
3: i'm doing well i don't know how to top the fact that weed maps is perfect i think that's a mic drop and we should end it there
0: interview (laughs) over mic (laughs) unplugged sorry george we'll get you next time (laughs) randa how are you
3: i'm doing well thank you so much for having me
0: no, it's a thrill to have you. Thank you so much. It's been a bit since we've been able to talk to anybody from Weed Maps. Obviously, you guys have had a busy year. We definitely want to dive into some of that partnership news that you had with Jack in the Box on 420. But first and foremost, just tell about tell us about your journey into cannabis. You know, I don't think we put you in front of our audience yet, so we'd love to hear about how you ended up leading marketing for one of the most prolific cannabis tech companies.
3: Sure, I you know I think I can. I'll give you a little bit of color about me in general. So um, I've been driving top line growth. Building brands for organizations at various stages from startup to SP 500 for over 25 years now. First part of my career was really focused on consumer packaged goods and retail brands. And then the last part has been really focused on tech and marketplaces. Um, so, Weed Maps is actually a bit full circle for me. Uh, you know, why Weed Maps? I, I was really looking for a mission driven organization. Uh, an industry that had a ton of growth potential, and then also really wanted to be part of a global market leader. So we'd maps checked all those boxes. I, when we think about cannabis, so I am actually very new to cannabis. Uh, a little bit of history. I grew up in Oklahoma during the war on drugs era. I really bought into all the propaganda, truly hook, line and sinker. Um, I have been in the Bay Area for nine years and since living here, I really learned a ton about cannabis and have been super intrigued with the power of the plant, its healing qualities, um, the fact that it appeals to the masses, all ages, all walks of life. And then I think it can you know be a strong alternative to this crazy world of pharmaceuticals that we have. So I'm six months in at Wheat Maps. It has been an absolute whirlwind. I've had a blast. I've learned a ton, have a ton more to learn. I think you know, one of the key takeaways for me is—is is this culture of of cannabis community is like nothing I've ever experienced. It's very powerful and and super exciting.
1: You know, there's there's this concept, right, that that people use a lot, like you know, weed sells itself, right? And and definitely, weed maps has been particularly su- successful in, in marketing through through different avenues. You know, swag. I have this high standards game with me. I was going to show some other stuff that I got. Um, but, like, do you agree with this concept? and you know what what has been like the easiest part of marketing for a cannabis company? and what has been the hardest part? Like the unexpected side of it?
3: Yeah, I think the easiest part, and again, I'm I'm six months in, but so far, the easiest part is to really tap into the passion and loyalty. Of the cannabis community, they they really do stick together. They're very loyal to the brands. Um, I think one of the challenges is just the massive restrictions that we have in the world of marketing in this in this space. You know, each market has its own restrictions, regulations. There's still so much stigma around marketing to the cannabis community, so we constantly have to you know diversify channels and campaigns and programs um, to try to stay up with the latest and greatest and stay in front of our cannabis community.
0: Just to piggyback on that, I mean, you are a marketing tool for a lot of these companies. That's right. Right. So it's not just you marketing, it's people using you to market. That's That's a that's a lot of pressure for a company in a space where regulations are high. I mean, you have to use everything that you can. But I guess I want to clarify a little bit when you market, you know, a lot of people feel that the education in the space is lacking. You know, and one theme that I've been kind of diving in a little bit with our guests recently is how heavy on education do you go in marketing? How much education, um, you know, do you put out there for new consumers versus just brand visibility? Yeah, I
3: you know I think education's. Um... One, just for new consumers, but I think also this, this industry itself, the craft game, all of those things are also evolving. So even if you are a more tenured consumer in the cannabis space, you still can warrant from, from great education. For us, it's a big a big one. I think that, um, you know, I think we haven't necessarily been super focused on the education in the past. We are leaning heavily into that from a content standpoint, terp standpoint. Because I think it's important to make sure that we're providing enough information for a consumer to make a purchase. How do they get the best out of that purchase? And then what types of products should they purchase the next round? And I think education is a beautiful channel in that process.
1: You know, when, when it comes to, to brands marketing themselves, right? Like they they know they can go to Wheat Maps, some other websites, they can go to Benzinga, but, but you know, at the same time, you got to market yourselves, like you got to market Wheat Maps, right? how are you doing that right and and they have a kind of controversial follow-up to that but i i to like understand how you're getting the word out right uh about weed maps and what you do and the new features and, and and you know different things you know for for the audience to really know this is the place to go to
3: yeah, I think you know Weed Maps is a double-sided marketplace. Um, so what that means is that we have to build consumer demand, and we also have a have you know have to have enough supply on the client side. So we definitely have to market to both both sides of that equation. On on the consumer side, um, you know we use every channel that we can that we have access to. Obviously, Twitter's a, a new channel that came up to to the table. When it comes to marketing weed maps to be honest we are really moving away from trying to build our own brand our purpose as a marketplace is to market the products and our clients brands and so that is our new commitment is to make sure that we're amplifying elevating their brands on the marketplace making sure also that we're driving the right type of consumers to the marketplace high intent users in the past we've really been focused on you know really quantity is get as many eyeballs as possible but we are really focused on making sure it's high quality over quantity so that way those users can convert for our clients on the client side
0: I love that I know Avi has a follow-up but that yeah that, that's exactly what you know your your clients are doing is you know trying to create a quality product that sticks out above competition in a market that is just down right now that's right um, so I love that just to point out my my <laughs> approval not that you need it Avi go for it <laughs> Um, you know, you, you
1: mentioned, you know, you, you, were previously focused on driving as many eyeballs and now you're, you're focused more on the quality of, of, of these eyeballs, right? You know, how has, or hasn't this worked? You know, I, I, saw two initiatives that, that caught my eye. One was trying to place the find weed button on mainstream websites, right? You would go to, I don't know, like the New York coast or whatever, and you would find a find weed button that would send you to weed maps, which I thought was awesome. I, I, I wonder how the conversion worked there. And then the other one was a controversial one. I don't pass judgment. I, I, don't, I don't think that, that this is inherently bad or good, but like you did rely a lot of on, on pornography websites as well for a while to promote week maps. How did that one work out?
3: Yeah, so um, first I'll just address the pornography. We did not, um, those did not convert down funnel. And so again, that was a bit before my time we have moved and changed our approach entirely. You know, I think if we look at some of the channels that we've been doing historically, did those users convert down funnel to be transparent? They didn't. Um, and so that's why we are trying new channels like you talked about, the find weed button, really getting creative on making sure that we are you know, approaching consumers when they're at the time of purchase. I think that's the beautiful thing about the Weedmaps platform compared to other social platforms like Twitter. We are close to the purchase transaction. That way, we now we have to make sure that we're you know, doing our part and driving those high-intent users in. The Find the Weed button has been a great performer for us from a down-funnel conversion standpoint. The challenge is scale. And so how many of those, you know, local publications, this industry, as you guys know, super hyper local. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're doing a ton of discovery in markets to find those, those different, you know, publications that we can attach that find, find the weed button on. But so far that channel specific has been a great converter for us.
0: Is that, is there any affiliate? Mm -hmm. I mean, just for Weedmaps business model, um, as an investor, do you guys look at this as an affiliate model, Um, you know, or is this something where the highest fee wins? To be listed first,
3: yeah. So I think there's, you know, I think we're open um, to exploring some new, you know, different kind of pricing models. But you know, right now, I think it's we are kind of a an auction type platform. We have obviously a different, you know, variety of different ad solutions as well, which you know warrant different pricing um, options as well. But I think we're open. We're really looking at how to best serve our clients um, and and what those solutions look like.
0: That's cool. I didn't realize that. Um, that that's that's really unique. So, um, kind of another topic for me is there are a lot of catalysts <laughs> that we look for in the space to make us uh, feel good in what can be a, a tough market. One of those is four twenty. Um, so obviously Weed Maps is um, pretty heavily busy during that time. Can you talk a little bit about what you did and the significance of working with uh, what is a very large domestic brand?
3: Sure so I think you know this is my first 420 and I had tempered expectations you know specifically based on all the challenges that we're facing in today's market conditions Uh, One thing that we wanted to do was actually lean in. We know consumers are very price sensitive right now. Um, We also know that one of Weedmap's superpowers is to deliver a diverse set of high value deals for high quality weed. So we created a 20 days of deal campaign. Um, Our hope was that we could actually jumpstart and extend the momentum of the 420 holiday by doing a, a campaign that started 10 days before 420 and 10 days after. Uh, you know, part of our mission at Weed Maps is to celebrate the weed culture, championing the brands, the retailers, the people behind that culture. So we really leaned in heavily on our commitment to our ground game, making sure that we were doing event activations at our client store locations. We did 32 event activations over those 20 days uh, across 12 it's different insane. states. It, so, like for us, we had an incredible 420. You know, we experienced our, our highest single day of orders in Weed Maps history. Uh, we saw a 44 percent year-over-year increase in deal claims on the platform, and one of our largest clients said they saw the highest foot tra- traffic they've ever seen on a Friday, which was the day their deal ran on our platform. So, huge success. It translates to our client success, and that's what our core objective was
1: you know, to close it up, Elliot mentioned your 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 partnership with with Jack in the Box. Yeah. You are also working with Boardroom. This is a uh, uh, Rich Kleiman and Kevin Durant's media outlet. Can you give us a download of the different uh, partnerships you have with with big mainstream media brands and what value they bring to the company and to its shareholders, ultimately?
3: Yeah, i think so the the jack-in-the-box really fun partnership for us Uh, you know i think the opportunity they love 420 they really want to kind of own the moment so it was a beautiful fit Uh, they actually advertised on our platform they were the first non-edemic brand to actually advertise on the on the weed maps marketplace you know i think for us to be able to see a large consumer brand like that understand the value of the the cannabis community Really shows that there's this evolution and push away from this negative stigma, and so we really believe that more brands like Jack in the Box will step up. Again, this user base, super loyal. There's, you know, they're a type of customer you want in your corner. And mm-hmm. I think with regards to Kevin Durant, so that's a different type that that really is is a partnership sponsorship kind of play. Um, now that Kevin's in Phoenix, it's one of our core markets, so we're going to do some more activations there. It's a content component. Uh, that we'll be building out you know different type of of did you know web series So that is a little bit more of a of an education and partnership and and I think content syndication play versus what we have with Jack in the box.
0: Can I ask just one you know I, I don't actually need like a you know personal thoughts here or even weed maps thoughts, but I do I am looking for maybe potential thoughts on the corporate reaction um, at a large you know non industry-specific perspective, thinking about how target, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about pride. And then I look to brands uh, in the space, and they're very um, pride-friendly, right? Yeah. Does does cannabis feel that pressure from these outside political topics? Do cannabis brands feel the, um, you know, don't put that in front of my kids, don't put that in front of us, or is it because it's already – you know, maybe an adult centric industry, you all feel it less. I'm just curious uh, a little bit about how brands and weed maps and really just cannabis participants in general, look at pressure like that uh, and react to it within our industry.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think pressure, I mean, I don't know that I would use the term pressure necessarily. It's, it's really about inclusivity. And I think the beautiful thing about cannabis is that it is, you know, it is a, product, a, an experience, a community that brings people together from all walks of life. And so I think like that's the thing that we we at Weedmaps really want to lean into. Um, but I think when it comes to, to children and those types of things, yes, we absolutely have to be responsible and good stewards to make sure that our marketing, where we're marketing to meets those proper thresholds. You know, we again, we just need to be responsible participants in this in this community. So I think we have the same pressure that other products do. But it's important for us to have a level of authenticity, because I will say the cannabis this community knows better if you're trying to force something um, or if you have enough chops to back it up
0: mm. well said randa thank you I, I appreciate the clarity there so randa mcmahon a cmo of weed maps first of many interviews we appreciate the introduction and your time uh in joining us and we look forward to diving in again very soon
3: awesome thanks you guys talk to you soon thanks, randa goodbye
0: thank you. awesome that was great man that was really enjoyable super interesting Love it. yeah you. and you had to ask a question about porn
1: you had I never did before. No, and no, was, I'm, like, I'm, I I'm, will not let
0: you live that down. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's good, man. I, it, it, I'm not passing judgment. I, <laughs> I, I want to know. And, no, and I, I honestly, know. It, I'm like, just giving you crap. You because I had the feeling that, that that it wouldn't convert very well. Like, usually people are doing something else when, they're, when they are on that website. All right, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, <laughs> all
0: right. You're back to the topic. <laughs> it was not me i was over it (laughs) oh man javi i love you man that was awesome thanks again to randa and Weed Maps. appreciate them joining us we are not done though yet we're gonna bring on a super friggin cool brand and i'm really excited this is i believe the second time we get to talk to this fellow we're gonna be over george sadler ceo of gelato george what's up my friend how are you
2: guys we're doing it again (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey man so to give that people a, a little one. context like that you was, were here sorry go ahead man go ahead no
2: that was a good one i i'd I like to see the uh the progression of weed maps
0: yeah it's cool uh, and you know we get to talk to their executives to their pr team and the ir team and they they truly have a really cool direction right now um yeah. you know it's yeah. exciting to see for the industry just because of how important they and the leafleys and those types of tech firms are to this industry Uh, And you can probably speak to that as well as anybody else. They
2: are the pioneer, that's for sure.
0: Amen to that, man. So last time you were with us, dude, you were with us as the CEO and founder of Platinum Vape, a company that you subsequently sold to Red, White, and Bloom, and you are back at it, man. You're still in the (laughs) cannabis space. You're rocking more brands. We're not leaving.
2: Take the money and run. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about it, man. There wasn't much running.
0: (laughs) That's fair. So what's your new brand? What's gelato? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing.
2: Gelato is just like you said, kind of, we're just a super fun company. We, uh, you know, we, we had the chance to kind of bring this back again. And, and, you know, when we did, we decided that uh, it was time to just be fun and cannabis. Mm. And, um, and so that's what we're doing. We're just having fun. Not that we weren't having fun before. Um, but this is just a different, uh, different level for us.
0: Do you think that's lost right now in this space? Just a quick follow-up, like
2: hundred percent. Now, that take into consideration. I mean, what we did in in PV back in the day was about six, seven years of of of, of work and kind of rebranding and trying to get to that stretch of 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 consumers that really just want to have fun. And I think coming out of COVID, um, you know, all that stuff going on, and bringing this company in. Um, and our team just really backing our decisions and, um, we found that this is something that's really needed and, you know, take for example, six, seven years in PV and, um, we have been so accepted in 14 months, we've exceeded what we ever did previously, And um, and we've we broke the top 10 in less than 10 months for a brand to come in as a new company, new brand um, and establish the roots that we did um, has been nothing short of amazing for us. And it just kind of it kind of says that that, you know, it's something that's needed in the community for sure.
1: I have a bunch of questions around the name, right? And and I'm going to throw them at you all at once. But like, let's go. One is, you know, how has it benefited you and how has it, you know, worked against you to have the name of a well-known strain? What is the relationship with that strain? And did you catch any crap for using the name or, or, or has it played in your favor?
2: You hit all of above. I mean, every one of those questions is probably more valid than than what people know and you know the strain itself we grew that strain early on way back in the day when Cody and I started the company um, and how that name came about I you know Cody just literally flipped and said when we decided to to, to do another brand um, he just said how about gelato and it just it was it was in a meeting and it was like done um, the crazy thing was is that Nobody had trademarked gelato. And and so it it was, I mean, honestly, the first thing I'd said to him was, you know, obviously we have to get the attorneys on and and find out what the legal side is and and who has the name. And um, ironically, nobody had trademarked it. and, And so we did. And everything kind of flew passed us on on that end of it, and it, it made it really easy for us to accept moving forward with the brand and with the name. Now, kind of the downside is is originally everybody thought we were an ice cream company. Um, <laughs> and so we of we kind of ran with that a little bit, and uh, as you know as we moved on just this, just this last uh, month we, we did launch a, um, a new SKU called Last Bites, and it's the little ice cream cones. You know the end of the cone that you you typically have with a little chocolate in it. Um, we we launched that actually at um, Hall Hollow Flowers, and uh, that has been probably the biggest skew that we've in the history that we've ever launched. Uh, wow, in a, in a sellout in less than a week. Do you,
0: did you have did you have to learn uh, about some of this because you you I mean you were a very successful um, inhalation vaporizer company, right? So. Um, you know, what did you need to do to translate that to edibles, to to these other SKUs and these other product types?
2: As far as translating what we did previously with PV?
0: Yeah, and I guess quality of product. I mean, did you bring other people in to help you guys? Did you partner with other, um, you know, people that you've always... I'm, I'm curious how you built the company to be able to maybe more diverse, more versatile than Platinum Vape?
2: Well, I mean, there's... There's a lot to be said about having a team that backs you. And and so, you know, not to get into too many details on, on the sale and what we did, but, um, you know, we our team followed through, and, you know, Cody and I were not going to we were not going to do another brand and um, and our team did not want to continue with, with the previous company. And, um, so after a period of time, these guys approached us and said, you know, what are we going to do? And and in all honesty, there's 12 people that, that, um, that kind of came knocking on our door again. And, uh, we made the commitment all together to, you know, to do this. And I, I can tell you that our manufacturing and our marketing and, um, and everybody behind that side of it kind of grew to a next level when we did this and. Um, I, 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 you know, we didn't do anything different, per se, um, other than take what we were previously doing and just reinvent a lot of. The, the processes in which we were doing and, and you know, mm-hmm. we kind of had our hands tied in the last year and a half of that transaction um, and um, you know, so we were able to kind of float out, and it's kind of ironic that you were talking about companies on the on the stock market, and you know, not to get too far into it. If you, <laughs> when you I would take
0: your opinion on this any day of the week, George. If you want, man.
2: Well, you know, we were we were doing really well for a period of time, um, and then things fell apart. And you know, we are really confused on how how a company can be zero. Down to zero on a stock market, um, and and still be listed, um, and that's kind of what's happened with uh, with with Red, White, and Bloom, and they've hit they've hit zero and up to five cents, and you know back down and being at three dollars and something. So, you know, I, I I was very interested to to see how that happens because I don't have a whole lot of knowledge when it comes to the market per se, especially on the cannabis side. Um, I've just never really push too far into that and people are asking us to to go public and i just don't think it's a it's a choice that we're gonna we're gonna take part in right now but yeah
0: i i think understandably so no offense to their business models in helping companies go public but um the cannabis industry is a difficult um industry to sell that into right now um kind of changing lanes a little bit you're in michigan and california in an absolute crap ton of stores excuse my not very vo- uh, good vocabulary there, but I'm impressed. <laughs> <It's> like, <acceptable. laughs> Yeah. You did this pretty quickly and you got gotten to a pretty wide range of locations. Um, so, so how are you doing that successfully? A lot of people find um, that to be an obstacle. I think a lot of brands find that to be something that they struggle with the most is, is just getting in front of the consumer.
2: I'd like to say that there's like some sort of a secret to it in all honesty. and And I don't think it's you know, it's, it's so basic to us, especially now there's, I don't know if there's been like an epiphany that took place after our transaction. And as we moved forward, but you know, it's, it's, um, what we figured out was going for the retailer and what their needs are. Um, It's, it's huge being a part of each and every um, retail that we're, so lucky to be a part of and be in and be a part on the shelf and never taking that for granted. And that was something that we kind of went back and rooted into our company was, you know, we're, we're, we're always there for the consumer and we always, you know, try to produce something that is, um, is a benefit to the consumer and bring it in at a cost that, that allows us to be, um, a little easier for consumers to to partake in, but providing them with a, a very good product. The problem that we found across the board is is that nobody really pays attention to what the retailers' needs are, and what what we can do to support them. So our team, and once again, I, I'd love to say that this is all my my doing, but you know, our sales team is probably the best I've ever seen, um, and, and I'm not saying it because. It's our company. I'm saying it because we really take a look at what's going on outside. And when you walk into a retailer and you ask them, how can we help you guys as a brand? It's unheard of. But then when you follow up and you do the things that that you can work together as a team, it truly, I mean, what we've always strived to do is is, is to find partnerships. And It really truly is working guys. I can't tell you that there's any secret to this. I'd love to say, you know, that we are, you know, holding the Kentucky fried chicken recipe in a vault, but I mean, we're not, it's just finding out what people really need to be supported, especially right now. If you guys, I mean, you guys are so knowledgeable in the industry and what's happening. Look around. I mean, it's kind of a flushing time for cannabis and um, you know, California just released that, I think it was 297 retailers failed to make their uh their May 1st uh tax payments. Mm-hmm. They also came out with a uh, with a speculation that 90% of those retailers are going to be going out of business because they can't make their tax payments. I mean, we're seeing this across the board and we are as a company are growing 40-50% month over month. Huh. Wow. It's, honestly, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm being truthful. It's, it's unheard of. And we, we're just accepting it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, <laughs> you know, but I mean, we truly are generating partnerships with these retailers. A lot of retailers are struggling. They really truly are struggling and mm-hmm. it's not because of our economy. I I don't believe, I mean, I'm just throwing stuff out there. I think it's because, we have now the municipalities have now kind of allowed more and more retailers to populate in different regions and zones. And so you, they're, they're learning how to coexist with more retailers. That's my belief. Once mm-hmm. again, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a, there that takes a big part in, in what's happening. Consumer levels are exceeding what they ever have. Um, and so I think just, Partnering and and helping each other across the the you know the board and how we can move forward through this time is is uh, is going to be really huge for everybody.
1: There's a little bit of a preface for this last question of mine. Um, first off, you know you, you mentioned uh, that you created a brand that that first and foremost needed to be fun, right? Of course, it needed to be good as well, but it needed to be fun and i agree i love the packaging i love the branding i love the identity the second part of my preface is i am usually the devil's lettuce advocate but i'm going to play the devil's advocate in this and i'm going to i'm going to trade my mark devil's lettuce advocate before you before you do <laughs> no taking sorry, shaking that sorry. i just i just did it <laughs> but um you know i'm i'm going to play the devil's advocate here for a second right and 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 say this brand can appeal to children. How are you navigating the regulatory landscape with a brand that is appealing and fun, but that could also be construed, misconstrued in my opinion, as something for kids? Because honestly, like a bunch of alcohol brands and beer brands also look super flashy and could appeal to kids. And what we do to ensure that kids don't get them is don't allow retailers to sell it to kids right (laughs) and then then it's up to parents to keep that safe right but but with cannabis it seems to be a different story so like how are you navigating this this minefield that is cannabis marketing
2: well i mean you you definitely hit it uh, across the board and the fact is that with cannabis everything is a different story it's um you know on our end of it you we are towing that line you know there there's no doubt that anytime you create something um, that's a visual brand of fun. It's going to appeal, um, you know, to, to, to children and young adults for sure. And, you know, it always comes back to me as like, you talk about with, with, with alcohol and, and, and other, um, controlled, uh, by age things. And, and, um, it comes down to being a parent. It really, truly does. I've been doing this, you know, a couple years and I've been parenting since I was 20, 22 and I have 19 month old twins right now, um, you know, um, you got to let's take this back to being parents. Uh, we can't we can't continue to take
3: mm-hmm. the
2: fun out of being an, a, an adult and a, of age, young adult um, and Once again, at the retail level and at the at the packaging level, we are exceeding everything that we can to make sure that it's not in the hands of, you know, of minors. And um, and I just say, be a parent and make sure, you know, that we make sure that our kids can't get a hold of the Tylenol and can't get a hold of the cough medicine and, and whatnot. So I think there's a rant right now that's going on in California is under a, a really big position right now. And we're, you know, we're doing everything that we can to make sure that that measure doesn't go through. Um, because it, it really is to me, it's, it, it's almost like an anti-parenting, uh, situation. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, once again, I just, I, I, it's not to push away from, from the topic, but it's more so to keep, our feet on the ground and allowing us to be fun as adults. And, um, and and I trust me, I do understand, you know, but we can't, we can't stray away from being parents. Yeah. No, I mean, in in the
1: nineties, we had this whole thing where people were blaming Marilyn Manson and Eminem. And and then Eminem came out with that song, like saying, you should have been watching him and, and and you definitely cannot put all the onus on any parent but but there certainly has to be responsibility on both sides
2: right i think that's it you hit it 100% be responsible you know just like just like anybody else you know i mean be responsible when you're around children with anything it's the same thing of having a liquor cabinet and having your prescription drugs and yeah and no, not to
1: it. mention a lot of the people who are appalled by this have guns in their houses
2: true i'm one of them I'm not appalled by it, but, you know, I, I do own guns and I do have cannabis, but I keep everything under lock. It's very simple. It, it truly is. And and we don't even lock up our Tylenol. And if, if one of your young kids gets a hold of Tylenol and, and, and eats it, you know, there's a lot of bad things that can happen. The benefit, you know, on the cannabis side, as always, and I've done a lot of speaking on this is you know yes you know they will get really high but they will live and the, you know I, I i just i just i can't emphasize enough at this time that we're always straining through and once you said it in the very beginning it's always different with cannabis nobody's worried about having you know, nobody's on the alcohol companies about having open bottles available to their children and what happens I and mean, we all know i was part of that too i mean as kids the first drinks you know that we had were from our parents liquor cabinet but it's really tough on, on the cannabis space and um, you know we don't want to go back to black packaging black and gold and you know mm. I mean look across the the, the shelves uh, you know in, in the retail market it's we're, we're back to branching into having fun again and cannabis needs to be fun it really does and we have all sides of this and so you know we were we were fun before. We can be fun again.
0: <laughs> Amen. Uh, awesome, George. We are to the end of our time, my friend. But really appreciate you joining us. There's a lot more to dive into. Unfortunately, I was going to ask you about SEO and uh, how that's working for you guys, had given a very searchable name. But let's dive into that again down the road. I'd love to yeah. you know hear how you continue to grow fifty percent month over month. And if you have a job, I'm sure both of us would consider it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs>
2: we but, do. All, do. No, it, <laughs> no uh, he's I, like,
0: no, I'm not doing
2: that. <laughs> not <but> on record.
0: <laughs> not on record. But George, really appreciate it's your time, done. my friend. Thank you very much Thanks, for joining guys. us. Good talking again. You too. Talk to you soon, man. Thanks. Javier, I'm just offering you up right and left. the <laughs> head. <laughs> Dude, I will say, though, you were like, people blame Marilyn Manson in the 90s. And I was like, people blame Javier Haas in 2023. <laughs> we'll find out i guess we will
1: find out we will honestly. find out and i was a little bit scared of saying anything you know considering your your position as a new dad i was like oh please don't take offense in any stupid thing i say right here
0: yeah if you take offense like i don't know you can't yeah you got to like people got different views i mean for me like it's uh it's something i think about and that is where i will leave that <laughs> All that said, two incredible interviews, y'all. Please like and subscribe to our Apple and or Spotify versions of these podcasts. Please rate, review us, tell us you love us, tell us you hate us. It always helps us. Your feedback always helps us. We appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you, Truong, Travis, Chris. Really appreciate everybody tuning in throughout the course of this episode. And thank you, of course, to Randa and George for joining us. Javi, we got some more episodes next week, but an, an announcement. Not next week, but the week after, this show will be moving from 4 Eastern time to 1 Eastern time. We are moving up in the day um, because I don't want to do this at the end of the day anymore. (laughs) You all don't want to listen at the end of the day. Uh, We'll do some awesome interviews at 1 Eastern time starting the first full week of June. So all that said, Javier Haas, last words to you, my Argentinian brother, the head of the best cannabis news desk in the land
1: bccannabis.com. Come on. Join us in Chicago, September 27 and 28. The best cannabis conference in the world. In the world. For today.
0: In Let's the world, 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 world. <laughs> <laughs> Peace.